The Battle of Fort Cheadle. Since the appearance of news of the dramatic events at the Battle of Cheadle Chiefs against the Wimslow Warriors, and by overwhelming requests from my faithful family, readers and listeners, I have produced this follow-up fantasy report of what have happened next on that memorable night. I would like to assert that any similarities to individuals living or dead or chess clubs in leagues affiliating to any chess federation club are totally coincidental. The story so far, a chess match is about to start. The doughty but outranked forces of the Cheadle Chiefs face their rivals as a hush descends on Fort Cheadle. The only noise that can be heard is the occasional clack of snooker balls coming from the Cheadle Snooker Club, situated directly above us. Even now I can recall the tension mounting in the fluorescent light which flickers alarmingly at the vibrations through the ceiling of the snooker balls, which are often accompanied by triumphal cries at a winning pot, or expletive-labeled oaths at a losing one. As in their training, the chiefs sit bolt upright, each gazing fiercely at their opponent. The view for us spectators is blocked by the phalanx of Wimslow warriors. Except for board five, that of Big Steve, our captain, whose opponent has yet to arrive. Would that be a point for us, earned without a pawn pushed? The tension was so great that a spectator seeking a better view tripped over a trestle table and collapsed beneath it. Remove that person quietly, the Wimslow warriors captain demanded, before we get to start the clocks. With help from Big Steve and another spectator, the groaning body was dragged into our little refractory. By by coincidence, there was a muffled cheer from the snooker room. As quiet descends and Big Steve returns, I look as closely as I can to the chiefs, refocusing on the task ahead. Seated next to Big Steve is a promising new recruit, Corey, admittedly untested in battle. Will he be able to survive his debut contest for us? Seated next to him is David the Dauntless, known for his stubborn defences, especially the Fort Knox defence, which have been known to last several hours with hardly a piece removed from the board. Next to David sat Lord Jim, exuding confidence to all around him, fearless driver in the Urmston roundabout drama earlier in the season. And finally James, another relatively untested new member of great promise, already favoured as a rising star. He had the misfortune to be our symbolic top gun against the mightiest of the mighty Wimslow warriors. He had accepted his fate without flinching. We were already risking penalties for a late start or some other little-known league regulation. Big Steve utters the words of welcome according to the chivalry code subsection 19.1, the spirit of chess. The players with the white pieces made their opening moves and pressed their clocks. Now I must explain to non-chess players. Modern electronic chess clocks have a mechanism which is pressed while the player to move is thinking. 
When a move is made, the player making the move presses the clock, which starts the time of the opponent and starts his own and stops his own time. His or her, of course. The clock on board five remained unpressed in the absence of the missing Winslow player who would be playing white on his arrival. Big Steve, his opponent, was prowling around the room, emanating waves of suppressed anger and anxiety. Time passes in peculiar ways during a chess match. If playing, your own clock seems to speed up. As your time is consumed, your opponent's time seems to slow down. This phenomenon is being investigated by a team of chess scientists at the CERN laboratories in Switzerland, as it may have profound consequences for the theory of general relativity. As war correspondent, I move as closely as possible to the front line. It's not easy to glimpse how the battle is progressing. Then the entrance door is pushed open and the missing Wimslow player rushes in. Big Steve, conscious that his arrival might disrupt the player's concentration, indicates in sign language the unoccupied seat. His opponent moves and starts his own clock. By quietly moving and peering over the seated players, I am able to assess the progress of the battle. I see, in fact, very little progress is being made. After half an hour, not a single piece has been exchanged on any of the boards. The rival armies were being positioned for the middle game fracas. One worrying position already was that of David the Dauntless. He has taken up one of his favourite battle positions, inviting the, energy, the enemy to advance into his position. I wondered if he had been too committed to this plan. As he kept retreating yet another piece back to its starting position, as his opponent moved his pawns closer to David's protective fortress, defending his king. On the board next to him, Lord Jim had a far more complicated position, with chances for both players which I could not work out. A fierce glance from a Wimslow warrior in my direction warned me he might be about to demand that I should be revoked from my lurking position for deliberately breaking his concentration. I beat a hasty retreat as the matches carried on. But as I was moving away, I caught sight of Big Steve's chess position. He'd lost a piece for a pawn, with nothing to suggest he had some cunning plan to recover it. I concluded he had blundered. But he was playing on without any outward display of distress. A true captain, I thought, concealing his plight from his other team members. It was all the more creditable, as in earlier matches he has been known to suppress his anger before disappearing into the kitchen area from where muffled cries of distress would emanate. An hour later, I made a cautious return to the front line, carefully avoiding the hypersensitive Wimslow player. Even from a distance, it was clear that Big Steve was playing on with reduced forces on both sides. Barring a counter-blunder, he would lose sooner or maybe later. Our two new members were doing well. Corey had won a pawn, 
but more importantly had a better disposition of his forces. And on the top board, James, as we knew would be likely, was on the defensive. The position seemed full of venom, one suited for the strongest and experienced of the Wimsor players. It was going to be a tough night for James, as we expected. It seemed a matter of time before the rest of the team would see that he had succumbed to his fate. <clears throat> Lord Jim's position was looking far more promising. <coughs> well into the second hour of play, in most matches, several games would have finished, but this drama looked like it was going deep into extra time. Then the entire match took a dramatic and quite unexpected turn. A scrabbling at the door. It can be difficult to open. I moved towards it, only to escape injury as it flung violently open and a very angry, very large man burst in, waving a sheet of paper. White Toyota blocking me in, he snarled, as if seeking instant and violent gratification for the outrage. I recognised my number plate, he mentioned, and accepted responsibility before his outburst cost us the match on appeal for providing unacceptable playing conditions. I'm not sure he accepted my excuse of being called to the scene in response to a possible medical emergency involving a deranged chess player. I moved the car. Looking back, I now see it was important for the way the evening would develop. When I returned, gently replacing the door on its hinges, I drew hope from the fact that we had not sustained any early losses. It was still all to play for. Go, Cheadle Chiefs, go! I calmed myself with deep breathing exercises before returning to observer mode. Then a decisive move. Jim and his opponent were shaking hands. What had happened? They departed to a chess set in shadows in the corner of the room. They'd agreed a draw in a devilish position which neither could see a way forward from. Both players fell into whispered conversation, testing out possible wins with no bragging rights of being able to claim a theoretical victory. The spectators had finished their friendly games and were now mostly leaving quietly. Then a glimmer of hope. Big Steve's opponent went for a quick finish with his rook an extra knight against our captain's lone rook, chasing his king among the scattered pawns. But one move in haste, and Steve was able to attack both enemy pieces, which meant that whichever one moved he would get his piece back, and during the melee he had snatched back the pawn deficit. Unlike Jim's utterly complex position, the players had fought to an exhausting draw. The match was squared at two half points each. I started thinking the unthinkable. Corey had every chance of gaining us another point, a full win. Two points, meaning a draw in one of the remaining matches, would bring us to two and a half points. With only one point to play for, we would win against all the odds. That is to say, regardless of the player's relative chess grades. James' opponent had cruelly converted the complexities in the position into a bind that looked difficult for James to break out of. Yes, chess is a cruel game. 
I've been reading Moby Dick and the great human story of dashed expectations were playing out before us. As Captain Ahab sought after victory over his mighty enemy in the book, so we were pursuing our dream in vain. After two hours and against the run of play, the first to succumb to the whims of fate was Cory. <coughs> Within a few minutes to finish off his opponent, he moved his queen onto the square that would have delivered him victory. The move between queen-clenched finger and the piece placed promising to secure victory was three squares. The queen landed unintentionally on the adjacent square. Even before Cory pressed his clock, his brain told him what his hand had done. I watched as if in slow motion the realisation spread to his wretched body. His opponent had no option. He picked up Corey's helpless, unprotected queen and removed it from the board, replacing her with his own. The game was over. The outcome of the match had swung completely in favour of the powerful visitors. As the long evening dragged on, as expected, David the Dauntless was being squeezed to death on the board. The enemy forces advanced closer and closer to his king, but he battled on like Richard of York fighting battles in vain. My tale is nearly told, no happy ending, but stay, a gleam of hope. Almost unnoticed, the gallant Stephen, playing the black pieces, remember, fought to a heroic draw. Surely a glimmer of light in the darkness of defeat. The league website would record only the final score. Shield Chiefs 1.5 points from their hard-earned three draws, Wimslow Warriors 3.5 points. But these lifeless figures concern the courage and dedication and, yes, the flourishing of new talent. James holding square to the strongest of the strong opponents. Corey a flimsy finger-fumble from securing a personal win. Yes, tomorrow is another day. Wimslow Warriors will return to former glories. <laughs>